You're listening to the Improve Photography Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. You guys know I've been using Squarespace for years. Squarespace is a great way to build your online presence. Look, if you're wanting to launch a photography portfolio, it's easy and quick to do with Squarespace. And what I really like about it is the beautiful designs. But more than that, if you want to start a blog, if you have a physical business and you want to have a web presence for that, or whatever your passion is, Squarespace can help you to help you to get your message out there. So head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code IMPROVE to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Welcome back to the Improved Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Harmer, and today I'm joined by my buddy, Jeff Harmon. How are you, Jeff? Doing well, Jim. Well, uh, you had the awesome experience of shooting with the Sony A7R three last uh, last week, and so we're going to kind of dedicate this whole episode uh, to what all that was like. Um, I, I think the reason we wanted to talk about this and dedicate an entire episode to it, it are really many. Um, first of all, just the experience of shooting with a camera system that you're completely unfamiliar with and what that's like. Um, also, a move to mirrorless. You usually shoot a DSLR, um, and this is you know, obviously a mirrorless camera, and that's something that a lot of our listeners are looking at uh, or have done, um, making a move to or at least trying out uh, mirrorless cameras, and so I'm anxious to hear kind of your thoughts there, and then also just, uh, just shooting uh, what it's like you're shooting with an adapter and things like that. So I think there are really a lot of things that we can we can glean from uh, from your experience. So why were you renting this camera? So there were there were two reasons. The very first one was uh, I'm doing a, a workshop as part of the upcoming retreat. Um, it's a like how to be a ninja with your camera <laughs> kind yeah. of workshop teaching nice. teaching people how to use their cameras really well. And several I've I've reached out to the the group that's coming and several uh, shoot Sony. And then since I've never shot Sony, I thought I better get a little bit familiar with it before we have this workshop so I can help them. Smart. And so, I've had so I wanted that experience to do that. before where you're on a workshop with somebody and somebody says, "How do I change my aperture?" And you're like, blah, blah, I, "I don't know." <laughs> yeah. And sometimes yeah. they look at you like. You fraud. You exactly. <laughs> and it's like, exactly. I've never touched this camera before. I know how to do it on mine. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm to the point where pretty much any Canon, I'm good to go. No, no problem at all. I can show them every single feature that's in there. Um, Nikon, I'm getting there. It's I still haven't actually shot Nikon, but I've helped enough people with Nikon. But Sony, I'd never touched. So... That was the first reason. And then the second one was I've been doing a lot of high school basketball shooting. Uh, I got the the school hired me for the to shoot the the women's basketball team, and uh, and then I just kind of volunteered to do the men's this year. That next year they're gonna have to pay up too. But <laughs> but uh, this year I I was there for a bunch of the games and um, and shooting and and my 70 Mark II does does pretty good. I get very good results, uh, certainly better than what the parents see any other way. Yeah, that's but a I was excited to, to try out the Sony and see how it uh, how it did especially like the low light performance it's a good sony sensor and 
and uh, and it, it gives me a chance to kind of really put the camera through the paces to, to go and try to shoot sports with it. So I decided to pull the trigger on a seven-day rental. The There were the two senior night games for the high school teams. The girls and the boys were within a couple of days of each other. Okay, So that was perfect for me to rent it for seven days, kind of get used to it before the games, and then shoot the games and, and kind of put it through spaces. So you can't bury the lead on us. What was the what was the overall verdict? How much camera envy did you have at the end? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I actually ended up still being very happy with my 70 Mark II. I, okay. I mean, not not to say the A7R three is not a great camera because it was super fun to to shoot it. Um, there's lots of things I liked about it. There's some things that I didn't like about it. But um, I don't know. Maybe it's because of the the reality of the situation. I'm just not in a place as a hobbyist photographer where making a move like that is like super easy for me. It's it's thousands of dollars to switch over. And even though you could sell the current stuff and, and make the that gap much narrower, I'd either have to be without a camera for a while or try to find a way to budget that for it and float it for a bit until we did sell our equipment. Uh, I don't have time for it. There's just, there's so many factors that it just isn't reasonable to me and i wasn't convinced after shooting i had fun I, I liked it there's lots of good things about it i just wasn't convinced it's enough that i'm like okay i gotta sell this canon stuff and, and go to sony so were you using native sony glass or were you using your canon glass yeah so that's part of the challenge i had to decide when i was renting uh, certainly could have had some some native glass and i could have got the right uh, focal lengths that i needed to shoot the basketball games but I decided that what I wanted to really give a try here was see if there's kind of a, a an interim step that's even possible. Can I could I do something where maybe I could buy the body and still use my current glass and not have to sell it immediately? Maybe I could you know sell my 70 Mark II, reduce the gap on how much it costs. It's still going to be a lot, but but get the Sony body, adapt it, and use. So I decided that's what I wanted to do. This was not me trying to do a full-on review of the camera. It just happened to be I was meeting a couple of needs here, and so the decision I made was I'm going to rent the adapter with it, and then I'm going to use the glass that I use on my Canon cameras. And I knew that meant I was going to be giving up some things. I knew it was going to mean that I probably had some challenges I would face with the focus system. Uh, it, it wouldn't be as, perf- as you know the, the best-case scenario with the Sony camera. But uh, but that's what I wanted to see. Is this like a, a way that I could take baby steps towards switching if I decided I wanted to? And and how did the the adapting work? I, I've never been a big adapter guy. Um, yeah. You know, there are certain lenses that it works great for, and some that it just does not work well for at all. Uh, but but it's it's just not a panacea to say you know oh just grab an adapter and poof everything's fixed for you. Sometimes it works better than others. And so, uh, you know, sometimes I, th- I think it, you know, fits the bill. It's, it's a good solution to a specific problem. But um, just so others are aware who haven't done this before, there are always drawbacks to to adapting. But how did it work with your particular setup? 100%. And there were drawbacks for sure. But that's exactly why I decided to do the adapter. I wanted to know what that's like so that if it ended up being a disaster, I mean, I'd still go shoot the games with my Canon glass and, I'd be, and gear and I'd be just fine. I could cover the games and still do it fine. But if I rented and then the adapters just didn't work, 
then I'd know that that's just not even an option. It's not a path you can even consider. And it's kind of more of that all or nothing thing. And that's what I decided as I rented. I was like, uh, I hope I at least can shoot a bit with it <laughs> and we'll see if it works. So um, in this case, it's the the very latest Metabones adapter. They believe it's called a T and it's the, like the Mark IV version of the adapter is what they sent me. And, um, and I did some research beforehand, so I didn't go into it completely blind and, and end up like, oh gosh, I can't even use the lens on the camera and, and waste the, the money that I, I spent on the rental. So I did do a little bit of research beforehand and, and the adapter supported some Tamron lenses. Now the 70 to 200 lens I wanted to use, it's my Tamron 70 to 200 G2 lens, um, was new enough. It wasn't stated directly as being supported. But there were other lenses on there that were Tamron, and I even found uh, a couple of YouTube videos of other people who had specifically adapted that lens to the A7R three. It's amazing. YouTube has like everything, mm-hmm. and and, uh, and they were doing fine with it. So I decided to pull the trigger, get the adapter, and try it out. There are some downsides. So I think we'll go through that as we as we get into some of the other questions. There's certainly some downsides, and I'm I'm absolutely confident it will work much better with native glass. No question. That's just going to be. Better. Better. But it's it's doable. It's something that worked even with, you know, third party lens here in Tamron. I think it would probably even be better if with uh, first party lenses like an actual Canon lens with a Canon mount with the adapter. But it worked. It worked enough. I was able to get shots at a basketball game in a very poorly lit gym and have the focus work and uh, and come away with some good shots. Awesome. Yeah, that that's good to hear because that's obviously a very challenging place for this to happen because the a7r3 from all reports is just a monster at autofocus but you know if it can't push the lens fast enough then it doesn't matter how well the camera did support for today's show comes from squarespace if you're ready to start your new business launch your photography portfolio or whatever other passion you have you can make it stand out on the web with squarespace I've talked a lot about Squarespace over the years and the things that I like about it and the reason that I've used them for many years for my photography portfolio. I've talked about the beautiful templates and many of the other things that they have going for them, but one that I kind of want to highlight today is the customization you can do with a Squarespace website. If you use the old website builders, you may have noticed that it's kind of hard to get it customized just exactly how you how you want it. And you may feel like, oh, I have to do something more custom. But I want you to check out Squarespace. They have so many templates. Uh, I, I was able to find one pretty easily that I thought looked really beautiful. And they have lots of settings you can go in through and check with simple drag and drop interfaces it's easy to add the content even if you're not super familiar with it i really like being able to customize it quickly the way that squarespace has it so go check it out destiny is calling and it says it needs a website make it with squarespace head to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code improve to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain that's squarespace.com and offer code improve. And again, we thank Squarespace for their support. Okay, so uh, use the adapter. We we heard about that. Now let's let's dive into the camera itself. Uh, what were I guess some of the main characteristics or things that stuck out to you? 
Yeah, let's start with the things I liked because there was a lot to like about it. Uh, very, very true. I again, really not enough to to get over my budget issues <laughs> and say, oh, I've got to have this Sony camera. But there's there's kind of seven things that I wanted to go through in the podcast here of positives first. So the first one, super fun to shoot. Really, really fun camera to shoot. Um, I'm, I don't know if it's really that much different than than other than my Canon gear that I've shot, but it was really fun. And, and I guess it's really every time <laughs> it's just like the geek in me. I just love any time I get exposure to new piece of electronics anyway. Just yes, whatever that's me it is. too. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It could be a, a new stereo or I don't know. It doesn't matter. If it plugs in and I, it's something I've never used before, I'm just smiling right there already. It doesn't matter. Um, but it was really fun to shoot. It was, uh, it was, it was a good, like it, it fit in my hands well, although there's a, a negative I'll talk about on that part of it in a minute related to kind of the ergonomics of the camera, at least for me. Um, the menu systems I found actually fine. I mean, I've, I've heard a lot of photographers complain about the menu systems on Sony cameras and I didn't find it on the a7R three to be all that different from Canon. Um, maybe a, a slight difference. Certainly the wording is different. They don't call the same functions, the same things because we can't do that. They're different manufacturers. So they, they have to call it different things. But, um, but I, I didn't find the, the menus to be tough to work with at all. Yeah, you know, good. I would agree with you there. I, I, while I do think there could certainly be improvement on the Sony system, I've used worse. I, I've, I've had worse uh, menu systems. And so I, I, too, often hear that complaint about the Sony uh, yeah. menu systems. And I think, um, I don't know. It's fine for me. I, and maybe, maybe it has to do with their, even their, this is definitely more of the, like, pro-level model camera there's not nearly as many physical buttons. So maybe that's part of it. The thing is like, oh, I have to go into the menu to make the setting change. Why don't I have a button to do that? That There was fewer buttons on the outside. So even compared to my 70 Mark II, I had to go into menus to do things more than I would have had on my camera, on my Canon body. Yeah, but you know, the, the menu fine. setting that I always find myself looking up and I kind of forget where it is every time and I've got to go find it. Um, and I, every camera system makes this hard, but it's, it's like a critical setting for mirrorless cameras is being able to change the auto, uh, auto, uh, auto exposure on the LCD, the, the exposure preview, excuse me. Uh-huh. Um, so for example, if I'm shooting with flash photography, uh, I may be in a studio that's pretty dim and I set my camera settings so that it will expose it once the flash pops, Right. But then it's super dark and you can't even see anything. Um, And so you're just composing completely blind. um, And then you see the preview and you can see what you actually did. So you need to get in the menu and change so it isn't changing the exposure of your in you know in the EVF or on your LCD when you're when you're in live view. Um, So you can just actually see to shoot same as with with night photography um you want the opposite you want to be able to pre- kind of preview that um so it isn't just black uh, so that's one that i'm always needing to change to be going to different systems and i always have to dig through menus to find it seems like on a mirrorless camera that one should be right to the forefront because people would want to change that pretty regularly i ran into the same thing i, I set the the back LCD at a certain brightness level. I was trying to save batteries I was shooting. And uh, and so I put it at a pretty dim level because I, th- I think it was outside at night and I was shooting, just doing some test shots. And so I lowered the the LCD brightness. And then like the next day, 
um, shooting in uh, outdoors in the sunlight and it's so dim I can't even see. So now I have to go into menus I can't see to change the brightness of the yes. back LCD. Yep. And that was that was hard. The other one was ISO. ISO. The there's no ISO button. Uh, you can probably map it. I'm sure there's a way that you could do that. But it meant I, every time I wanted to change my ISO, I had to go into the menus, and that it was painful. I didn't like that part of it. Uh, but overall, it was fine. I, people have complained so much about it, I expected it to be really unwieldy, and it wasn't so bad. So on um, my Sony cameras, I usually use my front scrolly um, to do uh-huh. the aperture, back scrolly for um, back thumb scrolly for um, shutter, and then the dial around there is what I use to change ISO. Does that not how it works on the A7R three? It didn't out of the box, at least, and and I only had it for a few days, so I wasn't doing a whole lot of yeah. customization uh-huh. to to map things. I just rem- yeah, it was just a thing. Like every time I had to go change ice, I was like, ah, there's probably a way to map something on here. I yeah. could make this easier. Okay, yeah, but, but it wasn't intuitive right away. It. Yeah. Yep. Uh, EVF. So I'd never, of course, having not shot a mirrorless camera, um, the EVF. How was it? You know, I didn't really. It wasn't something that I noticed, which is good. That's a really positive thing. Um, I, th- I understand that there's a lot of early mirrorless cameras where you really gave up a lot with that EVF, like the quality of it, being able to see the detail of what you're shooting, having it be laggy, um, causing some challenges that you had to face. There were advantages in some other regards, but you, you had some challenges compared to an optical viewfinder. And so the good news was I didn't notice any of that. It didn't seem laggy. Uh, there was plenty of detail in there. Um, it, it seemed fine. Yeah, there was a difference. Like I still kind of prefer the the quality of the optical viewfinder, but it wasn't a drastic difference and enough that I just didn't know. It got out of the way. It wasn't a problem making me uh, struggle to, to shoot. I, I didn't, it wasn't an issue. So that was good. I was, I was glad to see that. Yeah, I, I actually really like the EVF. I think you know, if it passes your test where you're shooting it for sports, uh, yeah, then, yeah. then you, you know, as long as you don't notice it there, which is probably the most challenging place to have one, right. um, then that tells me something. But then you also, of course, get the benefits that we all know. You know, you get the data on the screen. You get yep. you can do things like focus speaking. It can show you your uh, your focus. You know. F- when you're focused to infinity and stuff, when you're shooting landscapes, you know, it has a lot of those benefits. So as long as it passes the sports test of the lagginess, then to me, that's a, that's a clear winner. Yeah. That, and that's exactly what I came away from. I was like, well, it, it wasn't anything that introduced a problem. So that's, that's great. That, that means it's, it's an adequate replacement for an optical viewfinder. And then you add the advantages and, and then you're, you're coming out ahead really with the EVF. So yeah, it was, I was impressed. It was good. Uh, the focus. All right. So let's talk about the focus. Um, like you said, this is a camera that's rated really, really well on focus, the, the, the very fast focusing speeds. And I knew I wasn't going to get it since I was adapted, using adapted glass. Um, and I, I'd imagine a lot of listeners would are kind of would be in the same situation with a, a lot of investment in their glass that probably would be faced with, well, I'm probably going to need to use an adapter at least for a little while in using my current glass. So with the Metabones adapter, there's uh, there's a couple of different modes that they had, and it's to try to facilitate the operation with different types of lenses. And um, so after a little bit of research, my well, okay, so first my initial impression, just taking the adapter, putting it on a camera, and then putting the lens on, was I couldn't get out of focus to work almost at all. It was horribly slow. And uh, and a real massive challenge. And so after you know a few minutes of trying stuff out, 
I thought, okay, well, I'm actually going to have to go read about this now. <laughs> Just putting it on didn't make it go. And, uh, and I found uh, pretty quickly that there's an alternative mode they call green mode. I don't know why they call it green mode, but it's called green mode. This is for the where, adapter, right? Yeah, this is the adapter. Okay, I was going to never heard of this. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Metabones adapter. There's, there's this button, and it's, it wasn't even obvious there was a button there. As you put on the, the adapter, it's, it's like on the other side from how I normally look at the camera. So uh, when I read about it, I was like, there's a button? And then I looked, oh, yeah, there is a button here. So the way you use it is you get into green mode by turning on the camera with the adapter installed on the camera, but the lens not on the adapter. So because the, the Metabones adapter needs power and it gets it from the camera's battery. So then you hold this button that's on the adapter and then you screw on the lens. And th by holding the button in and then screwing on the lens, it, it forces it into green mode or sets it into green mode. And once I did that, then the focus worked. <laughs> then, then autofocus actually worked. Um, some of the focusing modes got disabled because the adapter couldn't provide the communication to the lens for some of those modes. And I don't have it sitting in front of me anymore to tell you which ones they were, but there were some modes that, that you couldn't use. Um, they just like the camera grayed them out, sort of like the camera kind of knows that people are going to adapt glass to it. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they've got these features to, to gray out the ones that just aren't going to work. And then, uh, and then, but the ones that were there, they worked, they could do focus. I could get it so that it would do um, pretty fast autofocus, of people moving around. I, I tested it out by having my kids go down in our basement, run around and, and uh, while I'm trying to focus on them. And it uh, worked great to, to test that out once I got into green mode. So that, that worked really well. I, uh, I changed, I used a, a single focus point. I didn't have it do multiple focus points. There were some options to try to make that work, but the, it seemed like with the adapted glass, the Metabones adapter, and my Tamron lens, that uh, it worked much better to, to use like the center single focus point and, uh, and move that, move my camera around so that I could focus on what I wanted to. But it worked, it worked great for fast action, low light, and I was able to get the, the focus to work really well. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's good to hear, especially with the with the adapter. Um, so, speaking of low light, um, you know, it's going from a seventy mark to a crop sensor camera, and a couple of years old, though, a still yep. an extremely capable camera compared to the A seven R three. That's just like the image quality monster. Uh, yeah, right. I mean. Uh, you know, you're shooting basketball, you're not doing, you know, lab side-by-side -side tests, but right. was there a, just a tangible, like you look at the image and you're like, oh, that's different. So this, this was one of the biggest things I was most excited about um, because I've never used anything besides a crop sensor. Like you said, the 70 Mark II, it's 2014. The, the sensor in there was from 2014 versus 2017 for the A7R3. Big advances. It's full frame. So I expected it to just blow me away. Like, oh my goodness, this is incredible. It wasn't that. <laughs> um, it's different. Absolutely. It's, it's cleaner. No question. It is definitely cleaner. Photographers and pixel peepers, they would definitely see a difference. and probably a pretty good difference too. So if I set end you know, the final processed photos next to each other and had photographers look at it, I am confident they'd be able to pick out the seven, the A7R3 photos every single time. I'm sure it's, it's diff that different. 
But I'll tell you, uh, with the end results and being able to process in Lightroom and do noise reduction and, and uh, sharpening and, uh, and shooting the right way, there's definitely some tricks I've learned on how to make it so that I can get the very most low-light performance out of that 7D Mark II. Uh, the difference in the end photos wasn't so big. that I think a non-photographer could easily say, oh, wow, that's a much better photo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that they saying wow, these are both really good. <laughs> I don't know which one would be which. So um, it was definitely better. I loved having it, um, and and then the high resolution was a was a big factor too. So it's it's about to double the megapixels in the A7R3 over the 7D Mark II, and that really helps with the sports photography, um, so that you can shoot wider and then crop in after the fact. Because you have all those megapixels to play with. So that the, the high resolution and the low light performance meant I could do that. I could really zoom in um, to what probably would have been more like a, a totally optically native shot from the 7D Mark II. I could cut away half the photo with it from with the A7R3 and still end up with a really good noise-free high resolution photo. And that was a very distinct advantage. I could see where that would be a, a, a massive deal for me in the future with shooting sports in particular, being able to have that kind of low-light performance and the high resolution. Yeah, and resolution and low-light performance go hand-in-hand. Hand. They do. You know, because if you're shooting 16 megapixels and it's a little noisy, you really notice. If you're shooting <laughs> you 50 it. megapixels and, uh, and it's a little noisy... You can crop in and it makes no difference. It looks fine yeah. uh, at that point. So the resolution, if you're going to crop at all, uh, the resolution and the low light performance uh, make a big difference. That's where I don't like when I see 100% tests, you know, 100% zooms um, on, you know, for, for cameras when we're looking at the low light performance because they want to crop both images the same. And I always think, yeah, but but they're they're not. You know, one has a lot more megapixels here, um, and so it, the the grain is that much tinier. And I, right. I I think it makes a big difference. It does. It, it makes a massive difference. And and it would be easier technically then at that point to shoot a basketball game, probably a football game, and a lot of other sports, because uh, you don't have to be so precise. With the the seventy Mark II, I can get very good results. But I have to be very technically precise in the settings, in how I'm shooting, in my composition and my framing. There's not even enough room really to like straighten a photo, which is I'm always crooked. Um, and, and I'm losing resolution just by straightening a photo. And, uh, and it's painful every time I have to do it. I'm like, oh, darn it. I have to crop in because I didn't shoot it straight enough. And uh, with, the, with the Sony and the resolution and low light performance, man, I, I could get the shot composed in post and I don't have to be so technically precise. It would give you a lot of room for error, which would be really nice to have. Uh, that, that's great. So did you try, I know you're usually doing the connectivity settings when you're shooting basketball games, trying to get the photos to your phone so you can post it on social. Did you try that with the Sony or not set it up yet? Absolutely did. Yes. And so it, they have nailed Wi-Fi at least I mean, I haven't tried anything else besides what Canon's offered. I've tried a couple of different things with the Canon stuff now, and this blows the Canon stuff away. It, it was super easy to do. That was the first thing. Totally easy to connect things up and have that work. 
whereas Canon, I, it's just they sort of make you go into different modes where you can't use the camera for anything else while you're doing Wi-Fi. And uh, it's very disruptive, takes forever. You have to like establish a, a join the Wi-Fi network on the phone. The Sony was like you can kind of have it partially or mostly set up all the time. And then when you're ready, you just kind of launch the app and pull the photo. And it's oh, it's just beautiful. It worked really, really well. You get a nice JPEG. Um, I was able to, to share several photos while I was sitting on the sidelines of the basketball game, like at halftime, even during a timeout towards the end of one of the games, the, the score was really close. And uh, there was enough time and it works well enough. I could pull a photo. I even took it into Lightroom real quick on the phone it made some adjustments there and posted it out, and it worked super, super well. I, the the functionalities there, battery life impact. On the other hand, is a different story. We'll talk about that in a second here. But the Wi-Fi is really good. Okay, well, let's let's dive into some of those negative things. Uh, do you have any like, you know, things that are just like, no, this just did not work. This was a failure of the camera. Yeah, there's. Uh, I want to go through five of them. Five things that were <laughs> okay. So quite a few. <laughs> we're, we're we're really rough, and, and this was, I was only thinking in maybe like, one. You know, we we got a lot of <laughs> negatives here. Uh, well, so but I, that's the. I hope that means people can take this as a an actual real life review. That I'm not just going to give love to the camera. There's there's some negatives that that were happening in real life. This yeah, that's wasn't. Great. Yeah, this is this was real stuff. Okay, so the first one, and I'm sure I'm uh, like very sure this is just a result of the Metabones adapter. Um, I had this happen every time I ex- I shot for an extended amount of time, like say more than 15 to 20 minutes. I had it happen where I'm I'm gonna call it shutter lockup. I'm not sure how to describe it exactly, but essentially what happened was the camera just completely froze. I couldn't uh, click the shutter button and have it do anything. Couldn't do anything with the menus. I couldn't do uh, the EVF was was I was looking through the viewfinder when it happened every time and the EVF just froze right there with whatever I was looking at and trying to shoot. It happened when I pressed the shutter. That's when it would freeze and just like nothing would happen. Um, I think I even tried once to turn the camera off at the, and, and try to revive it, and it wouldn't even turn off while it was frozen. And it would freeze and just be there for probably about 10 seconds or so. I, I never timed it to see how long it lasted, but it felt like at least 10 seconds, if not more, a little longer there. Not a full minute, but, but somewhere between 10 seconds and a minute in there um, that was just completely frozen. And then it would finally unfreeze and take the photo wherever the camera was pointed. So I, I ended up Whoops. with some photos of like the floor <laughs> yeah, as I tried they good? to figure out what is going on. No, they were out of focus. Ah, okay. <laughs> of See, that's not okay then. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and it would happen, I don't know, I, it was hard to tell, but it felt like it happened about the same point into shooting. It was like, you know, 15 minutes into shooting, maybe 20 minutes into shooting, that it would happen and it would just freeze like this and and then unfreeze after 10 or seconds or so. And then it was fine. No other problems. It would do it just the one time. The whole time I had it on, from that point on, it was fine. No issues and and uh, and go on just fine. But then, and this didn't just happen once. It happened 
every time I did a longer shoot. So if, both high school basketball games, another basketball game that I, I went to with my boys um, and trying to shoot them and a session in our basement when I was first getting used to the camera, it happened every time that I was shooting for more than about 15 or 20 minutes to freeze like this for, for that period of time. So that's not good. I think it's the Metabones adapter. I I've got to think so, because if that were a, at least a consistent problem, we would have hear, heard about that, you know, if Absolutely. it were a consistent problem with the camera. So it's got to be something with the adapter. And it might be very specific to the the, the one Metabones adapter I had, or maybe even the combination of that and the Tamron glass I was using. Who knows? But that was it was at least a very consistent problem enough that I'd be worried about it if I was going to consider buying it and, and probably would uh, – I don't know. I'd have to try it out a few more times to see if that was an issue. Because it ended up at the high school basketball games. I had – Shots I couldn't get. I I was trying to shoot the action right then, and then it froze for ten seconds, which is you know a couple of possessions of basketball that were just I was locked up. I couldn't do anything. Yeah, that's um, not good at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, the next one was the battery life. And okay, I, so you mentioned that the battery life wasn't great earlier. I'm surprised to hear that because all the <laughs> reviews and tests I've heard were that it's fantastic. So, well, fantastic I, I, is is it's relative. Fantastic compared to the A7R2 is what I'm what I read um, afterwards after okay. my rental that the A7R2 was horrid. It's like, bad. I have uh, an A7R2. It, it's bad. Yeah, like really, especially night photography in the cold or whatever. You're going to get like 15 minutes of shooting and you're done. Uh, kind of badness with the A7R2. So the A7R3 was not that bad. It was it was good, but it was not even comparable to the battery life I get on the cam, Canon gear. Now, to be fair, uh, if I had my Canon camera on live view 100% of the time, it probably wouldn't fare very well with the battery life either. It would, it would be pretty quick if it would be done. Um, I don't know how comparable between those two if the live view was always on. But that's essentially what the camera's got to do. It's, you're either looking at the back LCD or you're looking at the electronic viewfinder. Both of them require a lot of battery to, to drive those displays and light them up. Um, one of the things that, that I noticed, and I don't know, I didn't spend the time to see if there was a setting I could change, but during the basketball games, there's plenty of downtime. You have timeouts, you have substitutions, you have times when there's not action that's going on. And I've learned that if I hold my camera up all the time, I'm going to wear out and I won't even be able to shoot towards the end of the game. So I, I let the camera down. I have a, um, a camera strap that I can kind of just hold it to the side of me and I let the camera strap take the weight during every chance I can to take the weight off of my shoulders and and uh, make it so I can get through a game. And um, so I did that with the Sony 2 and that, that's fine. It works. But I noticed that even after I put it down, the back LCD is still on. Like uh, always. Yeah, you can change that. So you can change it to be auto sensing. You know, when you put your eye up, it switches to EVF. When your eye's off, Does then that. the back LCD's off. Or you can just say just EVF or just LCD. Okay. So, you, so for sports where you're going to shoot all EVF, then you could just turn that one on and that probably would increase the battery life a lot. But again, right. so it's something you don't have to worry about on a DSLR. So no, There right. is a setting for it, but it's still one more pain. 
And it seems like they should probably have that setting by default to be that way to help you save your battery or something. I, I don't know. It, it was it was tough. I just and I, I figured there was a setting, but I was sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, I'm not sure I'm going to make it through the game with the battery already, and it's sitting there at the side with that, that stupid LCD on. Yeah. Oh, I wish I could turn that off right now. Another thing where a button would be super helpful because yes. you could just hit a button, turn off the back LCD, and then until you hit the button again. That would be perfect. That would really in, improve the battery probably and, and just uh, the experience of using the, the camera. But Yeah, just like a little three-position switch for you know auto-sensing one or the other. That'd yeah, be helpful. It would be. So yeah, the battery, um, I was nervous with my first few tests with it that I would even make it through a basketball game the entire way through. Um, and I didn't think ahead to say I need, I wanted to rent a second battery when I bought, when I got the rental. So I was stuck. I had one battery and I had to hope I'd make it through. I did make it through the, uh, you know, two hours basketball game and shooting. Um, I did conserve the power as much as I could though. It, it um, I, I made, I didn't use the Wi-Fi very much during the games because it just uses that much more battery to do that. Um, so it, it wasn't great battery life. I, I definitely get way better battery life out of my Canon equipment. Maybe with that setting, that would be a, a big difference, but I'd have to try that again and see. Okay, so before we recorded, you mentioned something about the SD card um, being slow. But I, is this, is it that, the, did you have the right card for it? I'm surprised to hear that. No, so it, it's not that the memory card was slow. It's that there's there are at least two slots, so that's good. That I would expect that in kind of a pro pro level body like this this camera is supposed to be. The problem is one of the slots is just very slow compared to the other, and I mean that's on purpose. It's not like I I got a bad one here. It's that the I think it's the number two slot on the camera. That's right. I remember is this now. Really, really slow. And, yeah, because one um, has the. One is UHS-2 and the other one's UHS-1. Is that it? Right. But I even had, I didn't even have a UHS-2 card. I haven't bought any of those yet. So I put a UHS-1 in. There's a difference between those two slots even with a UHS-1 card. That other slot is so slow, it's unusable. I can't, it, it didn't work at all. And the, the problem was it's not clearly labeled and it's like the top one. So it's the one that I would, not having looked in detail at it, it's the one I like put my card in first. I hadn't. I didn't think to look at which card is which. I didn't even know there was a difference in the speeds at first. So I put my card in there, and it was so slow. I could not take photos very quickly. And uh, and then I decided to look a little closer. And like, oh, there's a second slot. Or I think actually I just tried the second slot, and then it started working. I'm like, wow, that's weird. And uh, and then I looked into it, and yeah, they actually. I, I don't understand why they don't have both slots at the same speed. That seems completely crazy to me but it means i couldn't even consider running with two cards in this thing at least not for sports that's a I very good put, point yeah I, yeah somebody in a board meeting in japan as they were planning this camera is like hmm we got to shave 50 cents off the cost of this thing <laughs> <laughs> let's, right. let's make one card slot that stinks on a three thousand yeah. dollar camera that's the answer <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so the whole purpose that most pros would want two slots, it seems like you're going to have a real challenge in even putting something in the second slot and just slowing your camera down. So I did not like that. The, uh, <laughs> the, the other thing kind of speaking to, to slowness, shot review. 
Um, and so I'm talking about looking at your photos, chimping on your camera uh, on the L- the rear LCD. It was slow. It didn't matter which slot the card was in. It was just slow, at least compared to what I'm used to on my Canon gear. It was painfully slow, and it just seemed to wear the battery down, too. My very first night with the camera, I was doing a ton of reviews, obviously, trying to see what the shots are looking like and how things are going. And the battery in in an hour, because I was doing so much review with that that uh, rear rear LCD, the battery was gone in an hour. It was it was just shot, and uh, and that was that was just seemed crazy to me that that would be it was that slow and unusable. It made it so that uh, during the basketball games, so I kind of knew by the time I was going to shoot the basketball games at the high school that I needed to limit how much I did shot review for the speed, but also uh, to save battery. And it meant that uh, I did do it a little bit to to mark favorites, which I had to go figure out how to map a button to mark favorites too. They don't have one by default. Um, so occasionally, but I, I use this a ton on my Canon gear with the action shots and the sports. I During those breaks, when I, I want to get my camera off my uh, shoulders and out of my hands to, to rest my body, but I also want to save myself time in post-processing and favorite the shots that are the best ones. So I go through the last 15, 20, maybe 30 shots and favorite the, the three or four that I want to make sure I post-process when I get back to the computer. And I just couldn't do that with the Sony. The, the review was too slow and it took up too much battery to do it. Yeah, I I would extend that to all Sony cameras. Review is slow. Like you you press that play button to see your last shot, and there's a you gotta wait. There's a tangible wait before you see it. And going back through them is no good on those Canon cameras. Actually, I think Canon's the best at review because you have that scrolly wheel, and you can just scroll and go through like seventy five photos in an instant. Oh, you yeah. cannot do that on a Sony. It's just not one of the options. Yep. Any, anything else you noticed? Yeah, the, the last thing I wanted to mention was, at least for me, and this is really getting into nitpicky territory here, but I, I shoot a lot of portrait-oriented, like vertical shots in basketball. The game is a vertical game. It's not really a horizontal one. So, And I'm used to doing it with my Canon gear. Like I said, I have to get technically, I've got to get very close to my final composition when I'm shooting. I, I can't really crop in. Uh, the noise becomes a big factor and the resolution a big factor. So I'm I'm very used to doing that, and I was I I shot it this way too with the Sony. I could probably change my shooting habits and get this to have this not be a big problem. But I ma- I did map a back button for focus. I just I prefer shooting that way, especially with sport with sports. I, I like having the focus button be different than the shutter button. And um, so I mapped a button, but the way, with a, the couple of custom buttons that are are there just to, to map whatever function you want to them. They don't even have labels. I think they were like C1, C2 or something like that. Um, I mapped one of the two, and it was so close to the viewfinder that I had a hard time getting my thumb up over onto that button while I was shooting portrait orientation. Um, so I changed it to map the other button, and that was better because it was a little further away. But it was still uncomfortable. My hand was kind of running into my face as I was trying to shoot that way. It made it so I put a whole bunch of pressure from the viewfinder on my eye. It was just like ergonomically very uncomfortable doing back button focus on the camera. And uh, I really struggled with that. So that would be, I don't know, maybe I'd get more used to it, or maybe I'd change my the way I shoot. Uh, basketball games at least with the camera but i i came away very like oh boy that hurt (laughs) (laughs) the way way that that was yeah um i can't remember on the a7r3 is the viewfinder pushed way to the left 
and not in uh, the center like on a DSLR? I think I think it was more in the center. I don't think it was our, I don't remember it being really far left. Oh, okay. Because I I really like that on my A6500. It has that viewfinder way pushed to the left and it, I think it's more comfortable there. I I enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe that would have helped here. It was it just it, the camera's physically smaller and uh ergonomically for me I'm kind of a bigger guy anyway and it just did not fit me. It was it was uncomfortable to shoot. Huh. Well, it was interesting to hear about your experience with the camera uh, and shooting it. Uh, I, I'm, I'm glad that we, we can get a balanced view of it because we hear a lot of Sony fanboyism. Maybe I'm one who spreads it. <laughs> um, but it's good to get to hear a little bit of a more balanced look at it. Well, I'm looking forward to being with you and many, many, many of our listeners um, in Charleston, South Carolina uh, next week coming right up. And so um, so definitely looking forward to that. And we'll have probably, we'll, hopefully we can get to record some, some episodes of the podcast while we're there and all together. I think that'd be fun. It would, yeah. But before we leave you, we have to leave you, we have to give you the doodads of the week. So... I said new, no new gear this year, but I did say that de minimis little items uh, would 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 be okay. And I I spent eight dollars on one of those little cubes, uh, you know, for for setting your your uh, your horizon level. Um, ah. I got one of those to put on on my camera. I've you know of course seen these for years, um, but I usually don't get it because I already have the virtual horizon in the camera. But on my on my A6500, it it's a little bit cumbersome to get to that, and and also have the other view modes that I like, and so I got one of these to just to put on my video rig just so that I can quickly visually see it without having to press into the buttons and stuff. So uh, I, I don't. It doesn't really matter what brand. These are kind of all the same. But just it one just of goes, these uh, bubble level cubes on top of the camera. It goes in the hot shoe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. What do you got for us, Jeff? All right, so mine's going to be the Canon 80D. We just did a whole bunch on Sony, but um, we just barely upgraded the camera that my wife uses. We shoot together a lot. We do uh, family portrait shoots. And um, we ha- I wouldn't have considered it normally because the, the camera is pretty new and it's still $1,000. So that's that was a lot for, <laughs> for our obvious budgets to try to take. Yeah. But what, uh, what happened was uh, we had some interest. Uh, we, we did a teenage photography class we're uh, we're get, it's a twelve week class we're gonna teach we're about halfway through, and we had some interest but uh, but from from one uh, family in the neighborhood here that they were wanted to do it but they didn't have a camera they said do you have a camera you'd like to sell us I'd, we'd like to buy your used camera like okay well we could sell the sixty D to them make like you know close the gap on on how much it would cost to get the ADD and get it and uh, so it, I we're we're really liking the camera it's it's definitely a step up it's not dramatically different than the 60D in in image quality but it is a better sensor better dynamic range uh, a little better in low light the biggest thing though that I wanted why I wanted to to go to that one is it does have autofocus focus micro adjust AFMA and the 80D or the 60D doesn't have it, which is super strange because the 50D does and the 70D does, but the 60D does not. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you can't go do it in the 60D. It just floors me. Like, what? Why did you take that out? That's so weird. So now in the 80D, we have that back and that, that helps. So what we're ending up with is a lot of her shots shooting that camera 
we had good glass on it, but because we couldn't do the autofocus micro-adjust, they were just a little bit softer. And you could tell between my shots and her shots that they were a little softer. And it wasn't because of focus technique or, or camera shake or any of that. It had to have been the autofocus micro-adjust. So now we have that. We dialed in the camera. We haven't done a portrait shoot with it yet to, to validate that the shots have, have sharpened up, but I'm pretty sure they will. They'll be a, a, lo- a little better there. Very nice. Well, Jeff, it was always great to, to talk to you, especially when we get to nerd out on cameras. And uh, <laughs> right. we'll be seeing you shortly in Charleston. Yep, looking forward to it. Bye. Bye.